Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are going to be studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, the Christmas story. Our prayer request this week comes from a young unnamed listener. Their dog is sick and they might have to put him down this week. I loved my childhood dog, actor, and I remember when we had to put him down. I'm sorry that you are going through that, and I know. All of us pet lovers here are praying with you. Please continue to send your prayer request or joys to BiblePeriodBourbon at gmail.com. Today, I'm drinking Old Forester, or as my father-in-law calls it, Old Foe. Now, let's start our study with a prayer. Loving God, we wish to take a moment to thank you for giving us the ability to learn from your scripture and to hear your words. Let the story of Christ's birth fill our hearts with joy and our lives with love. Let this not be the best part of our day, but only a building block to something greater to come. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18-25 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. The first thing to notice about the birth of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew is that we don't hear much about the birth. This is the story of the announcement of the coming birth, and the lead-up to the birth of Christ from Joseph's perspective, but not much about the birth itself. So the Christmas story in the Gospel of Matthew isn't much of a Christmas story at all. It definitely doesn't include any of the details that we get in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke includes shepherds, angels, a manger, and an inn without any room. Matthew has none of those things. In fact, The birth of Christ is one of the places where the synoptic Gospels have the most differences. Mark doesn't include a birth narrative at all, and Matthew and Luke's birth narratives are vastly different from one another. And it's not that they aren't incompatible, it's just that each author decided to include or exclude different things. Matthew includes a lot of details from Joseph's perspective about Jesus' birth. While the Gospel of Luke focuses on Mary's side of the announcement, 
and the birth itself. The first line of our scripture basically states what this section of Matthew is about. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. That's all it says. However, the second line begins to fill in some of the details. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. When we read this line with our modern understanding, we think of our own periods of engagement. I was engaged for a little over a year. During that time, we planned a wedding and tried to settle some of our affairs before we got legally married. And that's how engagements work. If we were to split up during a period of engagement, we wouldn't have to file any paperwork or do anything special. Uh, Well, other than call our caterer and beg for our money back. This was not true during the time of Christ in the Jewish culture. In fact, even today, there are two distinct parts of a Jewish wedding, the Kiddushin and the Nisin. The first step of the wedding, the Kiddushin, is the act of legally marrying someone. This is the step that Mary and Joseph had already gone through. Joseph was completely and legally married to Mary at this point. You can think of this first step as signing your marriage license. Now, often after this first step, a man would go and get his own home and set up a house for himself and later for his family. Having a bachelor pad wasn't really something someone did back then. You would purchase a home during this first section of your marriage and prepare it for your wife and later your family. It often took about one year between these two steps. The act of your wife moving into the house with you would complete the final step of the marriage, the nisin. Even today, Jewish weddings have both of these steps in them. Even though they are often combined into one ceremony, the period between the two steps now might be only a few minutes instead of almost a year. So, while our English translation says that they were pledged to be married, this isn't exactly accurate. More precisely, they were married, but it was only the first step of the marriage. But they were living under marriage law, even though they weren't under the same roof. This meant that they were legally allowed under Jewish custom and Jewish law, to have sexual relations. And every Jew that would have read this text back then would have known that. In fact, there were only three ways that you could enter into this first step of marriage. One is that you would give money or an object of value to the person that you wish to be married to with the purpose of marrying them. Second, you could sign a document stating your intention to marry. Or third, you could have sexual intercourse with the person with the intention that that consummates the marriage. Even though Joseph and Mary were only in this first step of marriage, they were legally married and free to do anything other than live in the same house together. They were husband and wife. And knowing that, you can understand a little bit more that is to follow. Joseph was upset. But he was probably upset for many reasons when he found out Mary was pregnant. Because, for some reason, the two of them had some sort of virginity pledge. They had decided not to consummate their marriage, even though it was legally allowed. Additionally, since Mary was legally married to Joseph, 
The laws of the scripture in regards to adultery applied to her, which meant that if Joseph had decided to publicly divorce her for adultery, she could have been stoned to death, which was the punishment for a woman that committed adultery. Joseph must have been a good man, because instead of doing this, he decided to privately go and get a git. Now, a git was a legal document that a Jewish person would get and present to his wife in order to get a divorce. The man would go to a religious scribe and have that person write up a declaration that specifically includes him and his wife. You couldn't just go and get a blank document and fill in their names later. It had to be a new document written particularly for your relationship. And in some way, it had to say the words that you are hereby permitted to all men. Basically, it was just a piece of paper that a man would present to his wife that would end the relationship. It would say that they were no longer married. It was both a religious and a legal document. And while that might seem fairly easy for us today, particularly it's a lot less intensive than getting a modern divorce, But during the time of Christ, this would have been considered a lengthy and expensive endeavor. People didn't want to pay a scribe to write up this document. The fact that Joseph was willing to go through all of that effort privately just to protect his wife shows the kind of person he was. It speaks volumes to the nature of Joseph. He probably did something that many other Jewish men wouldn't have been willing to do. So while these details of marriage customs might seem strange to us today, they were well understood in the Jewish community. And if you were a first century Jew, you wouldn't need my lengthy explanation. It was your life. You understood that this act made Joseph a uniquely good man. Then our scripture gives us some details of this profound dream that Joseph had. God tells Joseph to not be afraid and to take Mary home as his wife. Now, in particular, this is describing the second step of marriage. God is telling Joseph to not get a divorce, but instead to move her into his home and to complete the marriage. He's telling him not to be afraid to move forward, to take Mary home as your wife. This would mean that Joseph was accepting his responsibility to be the adoptive father of Mary's child. If he were to move Mary into his home, he would be creating a family between them, with this child being raised as his. God then goes on to say that what is in her is conceived from the Holy Spirit. Now we get absolutely no details on how the Holy Spirit has given this gift to Mary, and frankly, I don't want any. But what we do know is Joseph is told to call the son Jesus. Next. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew here is quoting Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Now, we're going to talk about this scripture for a bit, 
because it's one of the most debated scriptures in the Christian faith, particularly when talking about Jesus' birth. Because the passage from Isaiah that I quoted for you is translated not from the original Hebrew, but instead from the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. The original translation, straight from the Hebrew to English, would instead be, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son, and shall call him Emmanuel. You can see the difference there. The original Hebrew text used the word Alma, which technically means young woman who is ready for marriage. It is similar to the English word maiden. It doesn't necessarily mean virgin, but it also doesn't mean she's not a virgin. However, in the first century, it was common for Jewish people not to read the original Hebrew text, but instead to read the Greek translation of the Hebrew. And the Greek translation incorrectly translated the Hebrew word Alma into the Greek word meaning virgin. Therefore, many Jews during the time of Christ who only read the Greek translation would have been familiar with the Isaiah text using the word virgin instead of the original word meaning young woman. And in seminaries, right now, this is a hot-button issue. Whether Isaiah meant to describe the mother of Emmanuel as a virgin or just a young woman not yet married. Seminaries really like to find things to debate about. However, I don't really think this debate matters, and here's why. The Gospel of Matthew is incredibly clear that Mary was a virgin. Matthew tells us that she had no sexual relationships with Joseph or anyone else. Matthew tells us, for whatever reason, whether she had taken a virginity pledge or had just decided not to have relationships, she was a virgin. The word in the Gospel of Matthew can mean nothing other than virgin. And either translation of Isaiah, the Greek or the Hebrew, does not exclude the possibility that the Emmanuel would be born to a virgin. The word Alma, meaning young woman or maiden, in fact opens up the possibility that she was a virgin. So, while Isaiah is not completely clear on whether the mother of the Emmanuel would be a virgin or not, Matthew is. After Matthew summarizes how Jesus fulfills the prophecy in Isaiah, he then moves forward to tell us that Joseph went ahead with the second step of marriage. Instead of receiving a divorce, Joseph decided to move Mary into his home. And this is a big step for Joseph to take. It shows that that dream and that message from God truly got through to Joseph. They continued to not have sexual relations, at least until the birth of Christ. Matthew does not tell us whether she continued with her virginity pledge after Jesus was born, and many Christians do believe that Mary was perpetually a virgin. But it really doesn't tell us one way or another. Neither interpretation is wrong. But we do know that she was a virgin until Jesus was born. Then Matthew ends this passage with the line that he was named Jesus. And that's all we get. It's interesting how two authors can tell the same story but from different angles. Here, 
we see Matthew's incredibly legalistic approach to Jesus' birth, focusing on aspects of Mary and Joseph's marriage. To a Gentile reader, none of this makes much sense. But to a Jew living in the first century, it would. Matthew wanted those original Jewish readers to understand the legal framework behind Jesus' birth because he knew that those little intricacies would make a difference for them. They knew what it meant to be married but not yet living with someone, and they knew the big step that Joseph had taken to move Mary into his home, even though she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This section still speaks to us today, even if it does need a little more explanation. And the same is true for the section we're going to read next week the visit by the Magi, wise men, or kings. We'll see how their visit may have spoke to the Jewish Christian communities differently than it was interpreted by the Gentile readers, both today and back then. As always, thank you for joining me, and if you have any questions over the material, please email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. Additionally, if you do drink, please do so responsibly. While it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone. (laughs) 